Now, today's Legal Talk is taking a closer look at children in the workplace. A little while ago, we interviewed a young child actor who was, uh, if I recall correctly, being homeschooled because he was so busy working on films and commercials that he actually couldn't even manage a regular school day. And at the end of that interview, a listener wrote in asking me quite an interesting question. If he's working so much, he's obviously earning already. How does SARS view that income? And how is it even legal for a child so young to be employed that much? What about his schooling? And of course, in that case, he was keeping up with his schoolwork via homeschooling, which is a valid option. But they were all good questions and I think worth interrogating. So we've invited attorney Brendan Guy to join us to talk about them today. He is the managing attorney of Guy and Associates. And in addition to his LLB, he's got a postgraduate diploma in labor law. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pepper. Pleased to be here. I know the Occupational Health and Safety Act has very specific regulations that deal with the issue of children in the workplace and specifically the minimum age of work. Do you want to give us a summary of what they say, Brendan? Yes. Um, so, I mean, it really starts off with your constitution, which you know it creates the, the legal framework. And from that flows out a, a spate of overlapping legislation. Um, one of which is the SA Schools Act, which is quite important, and the, the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. And what that says um, is that basically you should not be employed if you are under the age of 15 um, or you are haven't reached the minimum school leaving age. So if you read the Schools Act, that says that when somebody is, uh, it's the year that you turn 15, you need to complete that year. So, Or, or if you've completed grade nine. So it's 15 or a little bit more, um, and that would be, uh, that's a pretty much a hard line. Um, so essentially, you should not be employed um, below that level. And between 15 and 18, they're quite strict regulations as to how people should be treated and, and children should be treated in that, in that, in that space. Um, you're speaking about the, the, the advertising, artistic, and yeah. cultural um, aspects of this. And there is one exception to that, and that would be um, a specific sectoral determination which has been designed um, for that for that industry, because quite clearly children are going to be involved in that. Um, okay, so, yeah, so, so, so sorry, just very specifically that if a child is working in the performance of advertising, artistic or cultural activities, there is a legal exception for that. So it's not illegal for a child to be working on a film set or working on an advertising campaign, just to say that very clearly again. Um, uh, Brendan, do you want to just tell us a little bit more? I mean, uh, to give some some meat to, to, to the broad strokes you've shared with us there. What are the sorts of, of, of restrictions, even if it is legal to work in those sector, it's not with uh, it's not just a blank page that you can come and work as long as you want and as hard as you want? Um, it's it's a very strict provisions. Um, they, they cover very, uh, very broadly. And I, and I, and I think it's a uh, it's, a, it's a positive statement of, of South African law is that it's, it's very well intended, this legislation, and, um, and it's, it's really there to protect the child. But it's also realistic. I think it's, yeah. it's you know, there are people who are in the industry and you need to work in children. So uh, effectively, it, it, or first and foremost, it requires a permit. Okay. Um, so if you are um, a, whatever agency that, that is, you know, in, involving or employing children, you need to fill out a form and you need to apply for a permit. And in that, it's quite a lot of detail that you've got to give. So in your opening comment, you spoke about education. Um, that is covered in the application. Okay. You would need to say what that person is doing. You know, in other words, are they being educated? Is their schooling going to be affected by this? 
and what remedial steps you've taken to to remedy that. Right. So it, it is essentially covered. Um, and then you would you would apply for a permit. And, um, you know, and the Act is, is, is quite clever because it, it stops um, employers calling children working independent contractors because effectively that is an old trick yeah. that if you want to bypass the employment laws, I'm sure that um, people in many industries get affected by this. Yeah. Uh, you call someone an independent contractor and then you can escape, um, you know, basically try and avoid any, any sort of statutory um, restrictions placed on you as an employer under the Labor Relations Act, etc. Yeah. So they stop that from this act. They say, regardless of whether this child is an independent contractor or not, you need to go through the following steps. So I think that is, you know, essentially very positive yeah. in, in that respect. It's such a valid point you made. It was rife in my own industry until not so very long ago that everybody and their dog was an independent contractor so that nobody had to abide by um, some of the more onerous conditions of employment. Thankfully, it's a practice that is now being stamped out in our particular industry, but it's a very valid point you make. Uh, Just for those who came in late to the conversation, we're talking to Brendan Guy, who is the managing attorney of Guy and Associates, just running us through some of the legal requirements that might provide a framework in which a child could work, for example, in the advertising or film industry. Now, you've mentioned that uh, education is seen too. What about supervision? Brendan, I mean, a lot of people um, are very, very cautious and rightly so about predators out there in this business and putting a child into a position where they're not around their normal adult supervision. Does the law pay any attention to that? Very strongly. Uh, and in fact, you know, you, you can't apply for a permit if, if you've been um, convicted of anything under the, you know, in respect of children or breaches yeah. of, the, of the employment. So that stops people immediately. Um, yes. And um, in, in terms of, of the presence of the, the parent guardian or a, a child minder, that is certainly covered. And um, they would have to be there in accommodation. They're allowed to have access to their child when they believe it's appropriate. Um and um, yeah, so essentially, the the parent or the guardian is very much involved, and is you know essentially is encouraged to be part of part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And and what is further interesting about the legislation is that it doesn't, you know, if you if you breach the sectoral determinations, not just the employer that can be in trouble. It's also any party, and that could be the parent. Really? So you as the parent really need to take responsibility for for what is happening on set and because ultimately you know and if, you know a a strict and officious department of labor official might decide that it's not just the um, the movie set that's irresponsible here but equally the parent. Wow. So I guess that's that's certainly something to be taken into account and you, and I think anyone who's child is involved should have a, at least have a copy of the of the determination it's very easily accessible. Okay. So Essentially, yeah. what about income? I mean, a, a child earning, in some cases, quite substantial money for, for this kind of work, would they be taxed on that income? How, how does the law and SARS view that money? Um, as far as I know, it's not my, the tax is not my field, okay. but um, what, we, what, we, what we do see is that you, you, the children may apply for a tax number and PAYE will be okay. taken off and paid across. So you, you're a normal taxpayer. Um, and there, there's no there's no limitation on that. 
Okay. But I'm sure there's some tax people who might want to correct me, but that's that's how we understand it. Is essentially you are taxed, you're a taxable entity, and the child is earning. Okay, so a child would need then to register for a tax number. That's very interesting to hear. Thank you. Then, okay, somebody asking on our WhatsApp line, what about irregular work, like a teenager doing babysitting on weekends or the occasional hour of tutoring for a couple of hundred rand here or there? Would they be subject to any of the kind of regulations and restrictions you've been been talking about? Um, it's, it's a very tricky question because, you know, we've got a very hard line. And a, and a reason we have a hard line in, in law is because we've got a, a child labor problem in Africa and, and we have a child labor problem in, in South Africa. Um, I'm surprised to see how big that number is, the number of children that are actually working. Um, I, the, the legislation is not intended for that. Uh, the, for that, I'm certain. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no employer as such um, that, that, I, that I could see. And in the event, it would probably be, you know, if you're going to go for a, for a, a casual babysitting job, um, that's that sounds really much like an independent contractor, a real independent yeah. contractual relationship. Um, and you wouldn't fall under the restriction I spoke about. So okay. I, I really don't see that as, as as the intention of a legislator. And, and as I said, in in... We have good laws, but sometimes enforcement is never there. So it's not likely this kind of thing would ever be enforced. I heard you say something very interesting, that we have a big child labour problem in South Africa and the number astonishes you. Uh, Who's looking at those numbers? What can you tell us about that? Well, the the numbers, um, the latest report that I've seen is a US Department report of Bureau of International Labour Affairs. And it's it's speaking of a number as as of childs between five and fourteen as as over over a million. Gosh, um, are involved in some form of child labour. Now, I think one's got to take that with a certain degree of pinch of salt because, you know, does that include things like um, you you're home from school and you're going to help in the shop or you're going to help in the field or you're going to do something around the home? Yeah. It, that, that essentially is labour. Um, but is is that really the the, the type of child child they would be talking about? So the numbers might be a little bit skewed. Yeah. Um, and they also say that that uh, I think the figures is ninety seven percent of of the children are in school. Okay. So it's school plus plus labour. Now obviously that can become abusive. I mean, there's, no, there's you know I'm not saying it, it it can't be abusive. Of course it can be. Yeah. Um, but I think there, there might well be you know a degree of overstatement in the sense that that this is not necessarily. Um, harmful, it might be just part of family responsibility that people mm-hmm. you know, have to do this. Yeah. Having said that, I'm aware there was a case in Chwane not too long ago where a mother was arrested and pulled out of a shop where her child was working alongside her in a shop environment and the mother faced charges in relation to that fact for having a child working who I think was only 12 or 13 years old at the time. So that tells me the law does sometimes act. I mean, you've mentioned the problem of enforcement, Brendan, but uh, um, if somebody is aware of a child who is being forced to work in what they think is definitely not an appropriate environment for a child, if they being put to hard labor if they're being put to hours and hours of work that's affecting their schooling for example or perhaps being asked to work in a dangerous environment which would run foul of those regulations where does one blow the whistle on that sort of thing do you go to the labor department or do you go to the police or both probably both but i think that the starting point would be the department of labor i mean it's their it's their mandate they are essentially the police force if you like of the of these statutes and they are supposed to investigate um, we, you know, I feel that the Department of Labor is, is very effective in in metropole areas. You know, they, yeah. you know, I, I have clients who visited two or three times a year um, by the Department of Labor. Yeah. But 
you know, what, what happens in the informal sector? What happens in rural areas? Um, and, it, and if these numbers that I've just read to you are even vaguely accurate, um, you know, where's the enforcement? Where is this happening? It's, it's not happening in Epping and Pardon Island. It's happening elsewhere. So, you know, it, it must come down to, to enforcement. And I, I noticed we have increased the number of, of uh, lab in, in, in inspectors in the, in the country. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's obviously quite a lot of work to do still. Well, thank you so much for shedding a little bit of light with us this afternoon on uh, some of the ins and outs of how the law views this, Brendan. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Brendan Guy is the managing attorney of Guy and Associates.